Can you hear me okay? I can hear you really well. I can hear you really well. Thank okay, you for being awesome. here. And I'd love to just get right into it and, and ask you to share your experience because that's what this is about. Wow. Thank you, first of all, thank you, Trish Carr, for inviting me on your platform. I always enjoy these uh, live yeah, platforms because people get to see us for who we really are, you know, right. they get to sort of see us as live as possible, considering the circumstances that we're living in at this time, not being able to touch, so to speak, and hug and, you know, get together. So I'm grateful to be here this morning. And, um, oh my goodness, this is a hot topic, Trish. Right, it is. I mean, wow. you know, you know that's, that's the thing. It is a hot topic. And what I want to do is take the noise away from it. You know, I want just to be able to share real experiences of real people because you, you know, you see the news and you read the papers and you hear all the stuff that's out on social media and all it does is exacerbate the situation. When we can see that there are individual people that we care about being affected, my hope is that it will open our hearts to open our minds to let go of our position and our point of view and to start delving in more and being more educated. So thank you, I appreciate it. It is a hot topic. Awesome, awesome. And you know, you're absolutely right. You know, because again, as life goes on and we've, we've all lived our lives up to this point and it's just amazing. We never know what life holds, what things come our way. And we hear a lot of things, Trish, but you know what, it's just like, uh, it's just like a bad car accident or a bad uh, death or a tragedy of some kind, shooting, whatever it may be. And what happens is that we all, we look at it from a distance and we never believe that, we never really know the true effect until it actually happens in our house. You know, exactly. and this is, this is basically where we are today with the, with the Black Lives Matter. You know, and, and that is something, and, and of course, with all the footage and everything that we saw and have seen up to this point, they have come to view. You know, of course, it takes us back to our own stories. You know, me being a woman of color, of course, I've had some experiences in my life that I would never have even thought that they would have come, that I would have an opportunity to share that. You know, because we live with these uh, negative emotions in our lives and we have to know how to tunnel through those negative emotions of whatever comes up in our life. And a lot of times the world never really knows what a person has gone through in their life. But fortunately enough, a lot of us we're able to rise above the negative, what appears to be negative, and turn it into a positive. Yes, and here I am today sharing my story of my experiences when I was working for corporate America that really uh, I felt could have taken me out. You know, I could have done some serious uh, uh, harm to myself because of the pain. And we're talking about the injustices that my, my, my experiences was with my job that I worked 29 years in corporate America, you know, and it was not until I worked for law enforcement that I learned about what I learned, what the word politics in the workplace meant. I had no clue. And as it began, as, it began, as I began to become a victim of it, I realized, oh, so this is politics in the workplace. And those politics in the workplace not only deal with uh, uh, harassment, sexual harassment, they, I, I also experienced racism, you know, um, and uh, uh, we all know that racism does exist, but it is covered up, is dressed up, 
And in, when it comes down to fighting it or standing up for it or proving, prove, let me go this way, proving that you are a victim of it, there are steps that you have to follow according to equal employment opportunity. You have to prove certain things. You have to prove that this really is, it, it, that it is, in fact, racism and, and discrimination, retaliation, all those things are covered, you know, um, under, under the injustices that went on in the workplace that I was in. And the best way that we could prove is to our listening audience, I'm talking to you, those of you who are still working for corporate America and who, you, who feel that they are experiencing injustices such as racism, discrimination, retaliation, harassment, all those kinds of things. Certainly I wanna share with you the best way to prove, to prove it is through clear, concise documentation of each incident. And that is basically what I had to do um, when I went through what I went through and what, what happened with me in corporate America was I was, um, I, I worked for corporate America for, like you said, 29 years. And after about eight years as a correctional officer, I decided to take the corporal's, corporal's exam, which was the first level of supervision. And uh, le first level of supervision, what it does, it, it takes me out of the units from working with the inmates one-on-one -on -one, and it took me into just being a supervisor over the staff. So that's a big step because everybody wants to work in a position away from the inmates because it's so chaotic working with the inmates. So you position yourself as a supervisor and that takes you out of that, that, that area of assignment. So you have to supervise the employees, but you're not locked up in the units with the 60 some odd inmates. So that was my goal and that was a huge goal for me. And of course, I took the exam after studying a lot, long hours, staying up late nights, studying really hard for this examination. I took the examination. And after I took the examination and my name came up on the promotional list, I was arbitrarily passed over. And I'm going to go in a little bit and tell you, I was passed over, I learned later, because I filed complaints. I got promoted because of some of the things that was going on in the unit I was in. I, did, I said, let me get out of here. And I figured the best way for me to do it was to, I was in the transportation. I drove inmates around on the big buses. And I, I, what I did was I felt the best way to get out was to uh, take the next level of supervision. And that's what caused me to take the exam. And when I took the exam, because I had filed complaints on the supervisor that was in that unit, um, I made some complaints on some of them, you know, and uh, I had become tainted. And it was okay, so I took the test and I realized that that was, wow, but they couldn't write that, of course. They didn't write that, but I knew that's what it was. And that's why I say you have to prove these things, you know, by clear, concise documentation. And documentation never, never lies. It's, it's, if it's written, it happened. If it didn't written, it didn't happen. So, of course, when I got promoted, I was passed over. And what I did was I went before the Board of County Commissioners on national TV to plead my case because that opportunity, uh, uh, it, it came up and I was told by one of my supervisors, you need to take advantage of that and go on and tell your story. And I got on uh, TV and I told the County Commissioners my story as to how I was passed over arbitrarily. And because the burden of proof is not on me, the burden of proof is on, really on the department. Right. So I eventually told my story and they, the county attorneys, I mean, the, uh, 
the uh, Board of Court County Commissioners told my department, they said, you need to get it right. I don't want to hear any more stories like this today. You all need to get it right. So that means that they had to go back, give me my promotion. And of course, it had been some months since I was passed over. So of course, I got that with back pay. And so that was a win-win. But it was very, very stressful. And the way I won that, 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 that case was, I ended up going to the file room because I can do that. We have the sunshine law and the sunshine law means that our files are public and I was able to go to the sun, to the, um, to the file room in down Dade County. And I was able to look at the files of employees and I looked at the white males, white females that had been promoted. See, because when you're in the family, you know, what's going on in the family. So you may not say nothing because nothing is bothering you at the time, but you see what happens in the family. So I already knew that there were employees of, of another color, white employees who had been promoted during a time of disciplinary actions that they had received allegations or even, uh, even investigations for excessive use of force. And I pulled those files and I realized, okay, and that's what I really used to win my case as well. And after you're passed over, uh, have any complaints in the department when studying for the exam, it tells you what you need to do if you have uh, complaints that you want to file. So that's exactly what I did. And then that worked out. I got promoted, went to the next level. And four years later, I decided I'm going to take the test again because I wanted to move up to the sergeant's level, which is each level brings us more money. Right. It builds our bottom line, as we say, in, as an entrepreneur. And of course, I wanted to do that, and I did that. And of course, I'm going in, I'm going in, I'm going in. By now, I had been in a relationship with a lieutenant. And of course, that means he had more rank than me. He was of, a, of, a, of another nationality. And I broke off the affair at some point, didn't think anything about it. And when I got on the sergeant's list and I was working at his facility, that's when he sent, I'm gonna say he sent some, uh, uh, he, sent the, he, he sent the boys on me. That's not what I wanna say, but yeah, he sent the boys on me. And what, when I say the boys on me, meaning he took the male sergeants, I was a corporal waiting to be promoted to sergeant. He took the male sergeants black and white, it was about five of them. They would call me in the office with this big glass window, all the employees to see in the window. I'm in the office and I'm being drilled on every decision I was making in order to run my team. So that was what we call harassment. But what I learned in that process, mm, after talking to other administrators, because we all have people under our belt that care about us. And what I realized was they said, you need to file a sexual harassment case because I tell the truth. I tell the whole story, I tell the truth. And I got consistent enough to know that he was behind this thing. But see, he stayed in the background, but those was his sergeants. So that's when I learned sexual harassment existed. Yes. And retaliation, you know, for me breaking up that relationship. So that was another form of uh, racism, discrimination, if you will, and that I had to endure. And of course, my blood pressure went up to about 100, almost 200 one night at work because of the pressure that he had kept putting me, he kept putting me under. And I actually just passed out at work one night. And 
So I thank God I recovered because I, I always had back in the day when you're working in a stressful environment, we have what we call environmental stress. Right. And that was what would take my blood pressure up, basically. And once I get to the uh, emergency room, I'm good. I'm good because it took me out of the environment that was causing the stress. So I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. I don't quit. Totally. <laughs> totally. And something about me, and I'm sure many others, when you know that you're right, and the reason I know I'm right, I was right, is because I read the books. The books talked about all those different um discriminations and racisms and different things that you had to do in order to prove these things. So I knew, and that's the one thing I want to say to people, honey, if, you, if you're working and things are not right, don't quit your day job. Don't quit the job and your bread and butter. You have to stand those tests because those tests are going to take you into greater times. You may not see it, but I know today I would never have known I would be telling this story right now and as many times as I've shared it. So we have to go through the storms of life in order to go to the next level. And I say don't quit your job because, you know, that's your bread and butter, you know, but you have to stand these things, just read the book. That's all you yeah. got to do, to read the policies and procedures exactly. and follow those guidelines because there are rules to every game. Well, can I ask you a question? Because thank you, first of all, for sharing those two. There are two things that were in there and they were intertwined. The, the second one clearly was retaliation and sexism. Because you were a woman, he intimidated you with his male sergeants or his male directors. Secondly, because of the relationship, he was retaliating. So that's clearly a case of, I mean, you can see that. The first time that you were passed over, what do you say to people that you, who were going to say, it wasn't because you were black that you were passed over. It was because you were a troublemaker. So for me, when I hear the story and you had the opportunity to actually look at the records of the other people, it's clearly that whatever complaints you may have filed against the supervisor, and I'm sure they were valid complaints, they don't hold a candle to somebody being reprimanded and having a file that has over and over again things that clearly make them not worthy of the position. So what do you say to people who say, well, it was because you were a troublemaker, not because you were black? Because I can already hear it. I can yeah, already hear it. I'm glad it. you brought that up. I'm glad you asked me that question because, of course, that's, that's, that's exactly how you are labeled when you stand up for your rights. You know, and again, it goes back to what I said before. When you know that you're right, as long as you're following the guidelines that's been written, for the organization, you can't worry about what people say about you because people are gonna always say something negative when it's some people, not always, but when it's when it's not in their their shoes at the time, when it's not their, them at the time. And I'm glad you brought that up because my attorney that I had at the time, he specifically wrote a letter. He said, you're target, targeting this employee because of her outspokenness. So, you know, it's just good because what I say, people are always going to be there who can see the truth. And those are the ones, and this is why I market legal and identity theft services, because it's so imperative that we have attorneys behind us when we go through what we go through in life, because they know how to word what they need to word. They know how to say and do. And my attorney was Latin. So yeah. all people are not bad. You know, all people are not bad. And then I had my county doctor we can go to the county doctor when our pressure's up. We're supposed to go to the county doctor periodically, make appointments, and so they can clear us to go back to work. 
And my county doctor, the only time he saw me was when I ever got passed over for a promotion because that happened three times in my career. And my thing about being a troublemaker, even my county doctor said to me, he said, you have three strikes against you. Right. You're black. He said, you're a woman. He said, and you're smart. So he was white. So the bottom line is, for some reason, it's, it's, it, no matter what people say, you're going to always have those people who see the truth as it is. And those are the ones that's going to come your way, that's going to give you and inspire you to take the next step. And the reason I say that is because it's not just happening to me. It's happening to other people. Right. I was just one of those people that was bold enough to stand up and actually, to stand up and speak the truth. And when you file the truth, like I said, it's backed by the, by the facts, which is already documented. They can say what they want. It don't matter. But I'm going to say this to you. Some of those same people, later on, when their day came and they was arbitrarily passed over, you know who they came to for help? You. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's when I understood and believed and began to understand this thing is getting good. I understand yeah. now why I had to go through that because I had to go back and I had to help some other people. Yeah. I had to walk them through the system. They wanted to know, what did you do? What did you do? You know, and, and, and I, I helped those individuals. And so it was not all in vain. And, but I will say that uh, I won every case. I did the same thing. I, I filed grievances. I fought, as we say, and I, I succeeded because nothing changed. The rules were still the same. But again, I'm living in the house and I saw the white gentleman um, and men that were and women that were had cases open during the time of their promotion. Everybody's talking, oh, she's not gonna get promoted because you know. And this is, but what the department did wrong was this. They did them right because if they was under investigation or if they was had an had DARs, they was not supposed to get passed over in the first place because the policy stated that you do not pass over an employee whose disciplinary actions or cases are in appeal. But what they did to me, mine was never even, mine was in appeal. I was not convicted of any of it. A lot of them had been in their closed cases, but the bottom line is they did it to me. And because of that one clause in the book, that was my grounds to stand. Yeah. And they had to give me my desk just due. Right. Well, and they I'm did it not because on the rule, they did it, I'm gonna tell you something, the rules was right. But they had to give it to me because of common practice. Common practice based on my facts, my documentation that I presented to the hearing examiner, because we have an outside hearing examiner that comes into Dade County, which is awesome. So we don't have them, you know, we have outside sources that, that, that hear our, our cases, which was a bonus. And he was white. And he said to my, my, my department, one time in particular, he said, in a rush to judgment, in a rush to judgment, you all gave this, basically gave her a DAR. You never read her, her summary, her synopsis of the, as to what her reasoning was for what she did, what she did. You, she gave it to you today, you saw her summary. You gave her the DAR today, disciplinary action report. She right. gave you her summary tomorrow, basically, and you gave her a discipline, you, you disciplined her the following day five days disciplinary. He said, not so. He said, we want you to make her, restore her whole, make this employee whole, which means give her a back pay, some money, back. and everything that she owes. 
Love that you got the back pay. Love that you got the back pay. You know, I'm really glad you talked about being a triple threat because black, female, and speak in your mind. Yeah. People don't like that. People don't like that. So it's a really complex situation. And, you know, when you look at statistics and you look at uh, women of color and how much money they make in comparison to women who are white and I mean, it's so complex and it's so ingrained that we don't even realize that the fact that, you know, you're a woman, you're a troublemaker and you're black. People go, oh, well, it's not because she was black. You can't even see that that's an additional thing that moved them to pass you over. So I really appreciate you sharing your story. And it goes to show Patricia Rogers that you're a fighter and that you believe in what you believe in and you're going to speak your mind. And I love that about you. And yeah. thank you for yeah, sharing honesty, that with everybody. Honesty is just what I believe in because I do believe, Trish Carr, that whatever I'm going through, I'm being used is by divine purpose. It's strategically placed in my life by God. And I know that there is a purpose and I may not know the answer at the time, but I do have a lot of faith in God and I know that God is carrying me. I know he created me for his purpose. And if we all could just hold on to that, that is something Having faith is something we all must work on if we're going to succeed in a lot of things because we don't see the outcome at the moment. But I can certainly tell you what it appears to be at that moment is never the final outcome. Exactly. Not when we stand and do what's right to, right exactly. to, right to, to exactly. stand for right. It always it's going to come to fruition, um, but we do have to go through the difficult times in life so that we can be a benefit to other people. And that I must say that I have uh, encouraged many employees to move up in their ranks, even in that that I was going through. I went out on my own time to libraries every two years and I trained hundreds of employees to excel, even when I was being passed over. I continued and stayed on the path. And this is one thing I strongly suggest, whatever we do in life, when things don't, don't go our way, don't let it, don't ever adopt other people's behaviors. Always, do the next right thing because you will be rewarded by a power so much greater than yourself. Yep. You know, so take that's that high road. Yes, take the high road. Take the high road and keep being you, keep being the best you, and know that in the end, you are going to win. But when we become bitter, I saw employees because of some of the struggles they went through in their homes as well as on the job. Some of them, I didn't see them physically do it, but some of them committed suicide. Some people went through so many challenge, different challenges that they ended up in, in jail on the other side of the bars. One employee, he had gotten caught up in a, a, a situation uh, with some with a situation uh, where it was uh, sexual, sexually in children, children, whatever you call that, with the children. Yeah. And it ended up that he was going to court, he was a corporal, he was going to court back and forth, and he came home one day and his sister had put out all his clothes on the front front yard and his gun was out there as well. She put him out because of the embarrassment and all of that and but child molestation, that's what I was trying to say. Right. And he ended up taking that gun and blew his brains out right there in his Wow, I know I you. I you some stories. So Trish, when I look at what I went through, it, it was nothing. I'm glad I sustained it. It was something at the time, but I'm glad I sustained it because I am in the process of starting finally to write this book that I was instructed to write back in 2003. And the name of the book was Corruption in Corrections. 
Oh, wow. And I have put that book off for years, didn't want to address those issues. But you know what? Because of WPN and the times that I've spoken, the public training that I've taken with WPN, um, speaking and different interviews, I have talked so much about it now to guess what? I'm over the pain. Yeah, I've heard you speak about it. Well, kudos to you. I'm really happy that you're finally going to do it because I've heard you talk about the corruption in corrections. And your voice needs to be heard because you were first-hand experience with what happened there. So kudos to you, and I'm really happy that you're going to do it. Yeah, thank you. And I want to, well, I'm doing bits and pieces, but I'm doing it. I got them. I, you'd be amazed at the suitcases that I have. They have a lot of documentation in it. I wouldn't be amazed. I wouldn't be amazed. I know you. I hear what you're saying here. So let me, so I usually like to keep this to 15, 20 minutes. And okay. I know we, no, no. And we went longer, but here's, okay. I, I'm going to go even longer because I want to ask you two things. One is, I know that um, race in America is a complicated issue. Is there anything you would suggest that people do to take action to understand, to get better, to do something different? Anything you might suggest? And then I'm going to have a suggestion or two. Well, Trish, to be honest with you, if you want to know how I honestly feel, I feel like it's a situation. It's a personal journey. It's a personal decision within every, each and every individual. Um, because I feel it was something, I feel that it is something that has been birthed from the birth, from the, you know, that started in the home. And the only way, like I said, I believe for us to change some of the things that we have been taught that are, that are contrary to the life that we live, the rules that we are supposed to abide by is self-examination. You have to have a desire to change your mindset and you have to seek. I'm going in. I'm going in. I don't think that it's something you could just get rid of yourself. I think it's something that has to be dealt with on a professional level as well as on a spiritual level. And, um, you know, like I said, so these, 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 these are behaviors that have been, these people have been doing for years and they have been getting away with it. And unfortunately, I'm have to go in. A lot of the a lot of the injustices comes from the higher ups as well in a lot of organizations. And you know what? People mimic people. People mimic other people. And so if we tolerate it, but again, today is our day. Black Lives Matter. And you know what? I'm, I've learned a lot myself about my own history since all of this stuff has come out. Which means, um, you know, looking way back at the '60s and a lot of stuff that we took, we did, we I didn't pay attention to. But I'm learning even myself today. But I can say this to you. I'm grateful to be in my shoes as a black woman, you know, because I have been very, very uh, successful in life because of the God of my understanding. I've had my challenges, but I've overcome challenges because of my belief. And I just believe that we have to have a belief and a power that's so much greater than ourselves in order for us to overcome. But the cover does come off. And when the cover comes off, injust the injustices, they will be punished. And it is what it is. The life, the seeds that we sow is what we're gonna get back. You know, but it's sad. It's really sad to see, for me, to me, it grieves me to see how hate, how so much hatred can be in any one person against other people. I mean, I would never lay my livelihood down, my paycheck, my bread and butter. 
No, many times those inmates cussed me out when I was an officer and called me whores. I'm going in and call me black and call me whatever. But that went with the territory. You move them from the unit, write the paperwork up, have somebody come and get them out of your unit, and you keep doing your job. But I don't call you call a backup squad to come in and beat the inmate to death. Come on, man. So that's where I am with that. It's a personal journey. And every individual should have to, will have to examine themselves in their own heart because if they don't, it's going to take them out. Hatred, it eats you at the core. Well, and, and here, I agree with you there. And the thing is that most people watching here don't have that overt hatred. They don't feel the same things those, that shooter did that went into the church in South Carolina. Or, right. you know, most of us are truly believe that we are open to all races. And yeah. racism is something, you know, I'm learning so many things on, I'm listening to some podcasts and Racism is something that's been going on for hundreds of years, and yes. we don't see it because it's been going on for so long. So I really appreciate you sharing. I really urge everyone, if you're a reader, there are four of the five bestsellers on the New York Times are about race in America. This is one of them. I invite you to read this one or any of them on there if you're a reader. If you're not a reader, you know, there's movies. There's so many documentaries yes. right now. 13th on Netflix is an excellent documentary on the prison system and how it's now filled with black men and how that happened. But even then, let me just ask everybody. Yesterday, I posted a video that I got from a real estate agent who, um, it's, it's a, a gentleman who is educated in this and who shares the history of how neighborhoods went from being integrated to being homogenous, meaning either white or black. And it also looks at the history of public housing since the 50s. And it's a real eye-opener. It's not political. It's mm. not about, it's not about um, you know, the left or the right. It's simply right. a history that looks at local policy that explicitly segregated metropolitan areas. And the video is like seven minutes. So it's on my page right below this video here. I really urge you to take the time to watch it because it was such an eye-opener to see. And that's how racism happens, slowly yeah. over time. Yeah. And we don't see it and we don't acknowledge it because it happens slowly over time. So right. I thank you, Patricia Rogers, for being here. I um, thank you for sharing your story of being a triple threat a black woman, <laughs> a troublemaker, yes. and a woman, yes, right? Yes, so yes, thank you I, so much. Yes, the Dade County takes good care of me. My benefits are still, in, I'm, just, I'm happy. I'm grateful. Yeah. And they I know you have- They take care of me the rest of my life. That's I'm, great. I'm grateful that I well, you put, in 28, you put in 28, 29 years. Tell me, if you will, the, um, I know you have something coming up that you wanted to share in terms of an event that it can affect oh, yeah. everybody. Yes, yes. I'm the Florida chapter leader for the World Women Conference and Awards 2020. And this is an organization that's just getting started. And I was asked to be one of the chapter leaders for Florida, a chapter leader for Florida. Met me online, Ragnasa Nikas. She's from, um, she's from Estonia. And she 
wants me to be at. So I am the Florida chapter leader and me and my team, we will be hosting or launching our first online launch for the Florida chapter. The tickets are $10 and we would love for everyone to support us. Of course, we want everybody to support us if we can and help us make this a success. Nancy Matthews will be speaking. Chris Salem will be speaking. Charles will be speaking the, I don't want to mess up his last name, but he's a publisher. And we're going to have an awesome time. We have a little bit of entertainment and it's only two hours. So we're going to have an action packed two hours. Beautiful. If you want to buy tickets, secure their seats, they can go to floridalaunch.eventbrite.com. That's floridalaunch, L-A-U-N-C-H, .eventbrite.com. Or they can visit my page. They can inbox me in the messenger. The tickets are only $10. So we are inviting you all to come out online and allow and help us to serve you as we make this event a success. Beautiful. Well, go, you can find Patricia Rogers right here on Facebook. I urge you to go ahead and check out that event. Thank you again for being a part of this series and for sharing your story and your experience. And again, I urge all of you, let's take one small step just watch the video, watch the video that's on my page about housing or pick up this book and just read a couple of pages at a time yes. every couple of yes. days. It will open up your eyes to things that you, we just can't see because we're in it. So thank you, Patricia awesome. Rogers. Have a fantastic rest of your day. And thank you for having an open mind. God bless you. My pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye.